All right, thank you, Lord. And thank you for the worship team. I'm just so thankful these days. The Lord's doing a lot of good things. So I'm going to read this scripture to you. Ooh, Lord, help me. Yes. Uh, This is an amazing scripture. Uh, It's John 3, 1 through 3. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Oh, this is so amazing. Unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so that's an amazing statement because what Jesus did, he lowered the bar for everybody when it come to seeing the kingdom. I mean, he brought it down to this thing. You need to have a, a rebirth. You need to, and when you have that rebirth, you have the given ability to see the kingdom. Isn't that good news? It doesn't take anybody special. It doesn't take a special gift. All it takes is to receive the gift of salvation. And that's just really something God wants the church to think about and remember. Now, Jesus is not talking about a prophetic gift there. Okay? When we're born again, uh, our inner man has five senses like our outer man does. Okay? That's where we get, the outer man gets his five senses. It's, it's, it's reflecting what we have in our inner man who's born again, who's come alive. And so when, when that person, the real person, the real you, you're, the realm of your soul, the realm of who you are, when that comes alive by the power of the Holy Spirit, when you're born again, your five spiritual senses are now activated and functional. How many people believe that? How many people use that? So we're not talking about prophecy, we're not talking about gifting, we're talking about who you and I really are, who God has created us to be. Now, one of the words, you know, it says, unless you're born again, you can see the kingdom. That word in the the original Greek language is also uh, translated in other places in the New Testament as perceive. Everybody say perceive. I actually like the perceive translation better. Uh, perceive, let me give you this uh, beautiful definition just in case you don't know. You, you, everybody knows this, but just it says to become, become aware or conscious of something. To become aware or conscious of something. So for us to really become aware or conscious of the kingdom, we need to be born again, okay? And we can become aware of it. We can become a conscious of this invisible kingdom world, this invisible place where God lives, where the Spirit of God is. We can become aware of that. We can become conscious of it. Um, another little definition is become aware of something by the use of the senses, by the use of the senses, uh, so, you know, Hebrews 5.14 speaks of having, having our senses trained by use. That's what it says, Hebrews 5.14. In other words, we have these senses and God wants to train us. It takes a training from the Holy Spirit. It takes training from God to learn how to use the five spiritual senses that we have in us. Okay? Are you all with me so far? So, I'm going to get to that just a little bit, but I want to... 
tell you one thing that's vital for us to get here. Jesus was talking about becoming aware of the kingdom of God. Of the kingdom of God. So anytime you talk about revelation, somewhere in the mix, somewhere in the conversation is going to be be God and God's kingdom. That's really what it's all about, is being becoming conscious of God, becoming aware of God, and becoming aware of God's kingdom realm around you and in you. So that's just, you know, the revelation and the kingdom go hand in hand. And that's, that's really just amazing to me. So, but this particular verse has a lot of personal, uh, well, just... I just love it because God used that verse in my life one time in such a, a significant, significant way. And I want to tell you that just to kind of... Because this, there's this invitation from the Lord. Okay? That's what I'm, I'm really talking to you. I'm talking to you this morning about an invitation from God. There's an invitation I experienced a, a long time ago. Um, and I think many of you have experienced this invitation. But, um, you know, in the 90s, there was some revivals that happened that were significant revivals. I'm not talking about just a revival in a church, but revivals that touched the world, okay? And so the 90s were years of pretty amazing revivals, uh, you know, not without controversy, okay? Any, you know, a real, any revival is going to have controversy around it. Uh, let's go ahead and get that settled. Any move of God, there's going to be people who mock it and people who question it. That's just that's part and partial for the for revivals. But there was these beautiful, amazing revivals that were happening in different locations, and they were and people from all over the world were, were lining up in parking lots to go to church. Can you imagine that? People would stand all day long in a hot parking lot in Pensacola, Florida to get into a church meeting that night. Can you imagine doing that? Why would anybody do that? Why would anybody in their right mind stand out in the hot weather all day? Why were they doing it? Because God was saving and healing and delivering and radically touching people's lives. That's what, that's what, yeah, we did it. Like we were, you know, we just lined up with all the other crazies (laughs) and we loved it. Uh, but it was just amazing, and that went on. You know that those those revivals in different places, different main places, went on, and it's kind of spread out throughout the church. and And many many churches embraced it. Many churches did not embrace it. Some people had never even heard of it before. But it was a real. Those were genuine times of the moves of the Lord. Genuine times like heaven really manifesting on earth in a in a, greater than than the norm. And. Uh, and we even had like a youth revival in our church. It was fantastic. I mean, that's, you know, when you see young, so many young people getting touched by the Lord. At one time, one-third of our church, at least one-third, was, was teenagers. It was powerful. And then, you know, some of you know Matthew Bollinger, you know, who's, who pastors of River Life Chapel Hill. That he, he, God emerged him. God brought him forth in that move, you know, and, and, and his wife, Sarah, Sarah Bollinger's and. Uh, during that time, there was this red-headed guy that showed up uh, who thought he knew everything. And I'll, in spite of our best efforts, he still thinks he knows everything. <laughs> but he was an amazing, anointed wor- worship leader. It wasn't you, by the way, but, you know, it was a red-headed guy that we loved dearly, Andy Squires, who is in Charlotte now leading worship at Queen City Church. And then this, this, this black guy showed up one day. Uh, you know, a big black guy, you know, and he, you know, had some opinions. 
Uh, and he told me he was standing out in the parking lot and thinking, I'm not going to be a part of this. This is crazy. And the Lord said, yeah, yeah. right, Mark? <laughs> you know, so, so God was bringing these people to, to minister to these young people, and it was just awesome. But, but all of that began to ebb, okay? As most revivals who's, that's ever existed, the emotional part of it, the, 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 the height of it began to go down like a natural wave, little by little by little. And a lot, you know, the tragedy when that happens... Uh, a lot of people kind of, when the emotion of it, of, of it and the feelings of it, they kind of get displaced somehow. They kinda, it's like they lose their fervor, fervor that they had in their heart for the Lord during that time. And, it kinda, and they kind of, I've even seen some people, this is, uh, this is not God's fault. This is our fault. I have seen some people who have actually regressed spiritually after a move of the Lord because they... Because that became everything to them, and somewhere in, in the middle of everything, they lost their, right, their rightful relationship with the Lord. But not everybody. And I'm thanking God today that I was not one of those people that when all that began to ebb, that, that I was not, in fact, it put some, there was something in me. There was a, a fire that had been in me from the time I got born again that's in every Christian, but that, it just stoked that fire in me. It, it caused that fire, and, and, and the more it ebbed, the more hungry I got for God, and the more questions I had for God. It just brought a lot of questions to my mind about God and about the kingdom of God. And so I had this time of just really seeking the Lord. Are y'all following me? I'm trying to engage you and bring you into something. Uh, I'm going to trap you. Okay? But, you know, one of the big questions I had for, for the Lord was about the kingdom of God. Because I said to God over and over, like, Lord, you know, I, I get church because I can see church. I can experience church in my natural self. You know, I get missions. I get evangelism. Okay, I get feeding the poor. I get because I can spit it. But I'm not really getting this kingdom thing. I realize all those things are a part of the kingdom. But it's like I'm not really walking in a revelation of the kingdom. Okay, I knew about the kingdom. In fact, I could probably gave a great message on the kingdom at that time. Probably really a really good message. The problem was, it was all mental. It was all mental understanding. They, I felt I had no heart understanding about God and His kingdom, about the kingdom. Okay, That's, that was the thing. And so, that was the thing that all that all that revival and all those moves that God left me with was this. This desire, this hunger to really have revelation and true spiritual understanding about the kingdom of God. Because I realized I really, really didn't when it came right down to it. So I started praying and seeking the Lord about that. And for a long, it seemed like a long time. I don't really remember how long it was, but it seemed like forever and a day, right? Uh, It was more than a week. One of my greatest revelations about young people when we were started doing ministry, these two uh, young teenage girls came to our house one afternoon to talk to us about some things that was going on in their life. And they were seeking the Lord, and the Lord was not answering their prayers, and they were wanting to know why and how do you do with it. And I said, well, how long have you been praying? Uh, it's been a week. <laughs> I thought, a week? I didn't say nothing. I didn't want to disappoint them about some of my 10-year prayers that, like, duh, is this ever going to happen in my life, Lord, <laughs> you know? I didn't want to bring them into some bad reality. Just kind of funny, you know, how people think. A week's not a long time to be praying something. Anyways, uh, 
so I've been praying about that, and so we were um, just. I can go. I go back to this place many times in my heart. We went on the went to the beach for the week, and we were staying on uh, like inner the canal house. Y'all know the, the canal houses at the beach at Ocean Isle, I think. And I remember sitting out there. They had a dock out there, and you could sit on it. It would kind of move a little bit and go up and down with the with the tide. And I would just sit out there in early in the mornings and pray and just. And I remember reading these scriptures and just think, well, I'm born again, but I don't, I'm just not, Lord, what in the world? You're just, just, you know, and just being quiet and just pondering that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, that little still small voice. You know, when I'm talking about a little, like a little trickle of water running through your soul. That's the way it feels to me, like a trickle of water that runs through my soul. And he said this to me. He said, you don't see, do you, Byron? And I just said, no, I don't see. I'm not seeing nothing, you know. And it was just sort of a, a matter-of-fact answer. And then he said to me, I'm going to teach you how to see. That's what the Holy Spirit said. I'm going to teach you how to see. And within one hour, I got this phone call that really changed, was the beginning. I mean, I was a one, in one hour, that prayer was, or that promise was beginning to be fulfilled, <laughs> God shifted things for me, introduced me, a person who was very highly gifted in the realm of the Spirit, basically invited me into his life that morning and, and became like a mentor to me. Now, at the time, I didn't know that. Duh, you know, I was just sort of done through life. And, and so I think there's many times we, we have those kind of moments in our life which turn out to be turning points and, and significant things. And many times there's a scripture attached to them. So I think there's probably a lot of people. I have lots of scriptures in my life that are very meaningful to me personally. In, in fact, I mean, I just love those scriptures. And when I always read them, I always go back to the moment that God spoke that scripture to me and made it alive to me. And I think about all the things he's did in my life through in that moment from that revelation he gave me in that scripture. That's why I really encourage you to, you know, God wants to speak to people through his word and, and reveal things to us through his word. It's just such a powerful thing to have a life in the word I wish it was like that every day, but it's not. But there are those, you know, Henry Blackaby did a great uh, thing years ago called uh, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. Anybody remember Knowing? That was just amazing, amazing, amazing uh, uh, book on that awesome subject of knowing and doing the will of God. And one of the things that he brings out in there is, is about how to discern the will of God is to look back in your life and see these markers, see these places where God has done something in your life. That way it gives you insight on how to move forward because God has certain patterns that he will do in your life that he will consistently do to, in, in order to help you discern what he's doing. And, this, you know, like that's a, that's a thing. When I often look back at my life, I look at this is one of those places where it's like a marker in my life. Like at that time, begin a new season. At that time, God began to do something amazing in my life. Uh, and literally, and it's been just an amazing journey since then of learning how to perceive spiritually, learning how to connect with, with God on a spiritual plane, learning how to, how to see His kingdom and become aware of His kingdom and, and, and feel what He's doing and taste, oh, taste and see that the Lord, all those things are just so, they're so real and they're so on. You know, and so that sort of was a, a you know, a marker in my life where I began to, to move forward. Uh, and I've, I've had a bunch of those, but that, that was one I wanted to, to tell you about. 
that's really significant to me. Because, like I say, that was as I began to really come into a, to having more of this spirit of wisdom and revelation flowing in me, I'm, it's not just knowing about the kingdom anymore. It's beginning to know the kingdom and learn the kingdom and find out how the kingdom world works versus the natural world. The kingdom world versus church world. The kingdom world versus mission world. You see what I'm saying? And seeing how all these things fit into the kingdom world. You know, and when we pray, God, your kingdom come, we're really saying, Lord, reveal your kingdom. The kingdom is already here in us. For us, that prayer is, your kingdom be revealed. Your kingdom be released out of me. And, and being able to discern that. It's just an amazing, amazing gift to have. Well, you know, I've often said... Uh, you know, you know. So you, revelation uh, is like math for an engineering student. Okay. In other words, if you're going to be an engineer, math has to be second nature. You, you get what I'm saying. In other words, you don't want to go into an engineering class and be struggling with algebra. You you don't want to do that. You're going to die on the vine pretty quick. In fact, they will. You won't last a, a, you, two classes, and you're wanting out of there because this is a foreign language and that you didn't learn. But so, you, you, I always tell these people. They say they're going to be engineers. Like, how good are you in math? Well, I'm not very good. Forget it. <laughs> do something else. You, you're just wasting your time. You'll find out what I'm talking about. You know, you're going to find out when you have those hour and ten minute classes, and you have an exam that has four questions on it and you had to bust your chops to get all those four answered before the class is over with, and all four of them take like one or two pages of nothing but math problems to answer the dumb engineering question. Because everything's based on math. So you had to become, math has to be second nature to you. And so that's how I see a revelation in, in the kingdom, in our Christian life. Revelation needs to become second nature to us. It needs to become something we're not trying to fidget with and trying to figure out and mess around with. It needs to be something. This is a part of our life. This is what we do. This is how we function. This is how we look at... We have problems. We have issues. We need revelation. Let's tap in and get revelation on how to fix these things. Let's tap in on revelations how to solve problems with families. Okay? Let's, let's tap into revelations to, have, to, how, to how to see more healings flow in the church. Okay, see, the point is not necessarily the revelation. The point is tapping into kingdom and letting the kingdom of God come, come forth based on our ability to perceive what God is doing and saying at that moment. You see what I'm saying? Because that's what revelation's all about. It's about what's God doing, what's God saying, so we can see that, we can perceive that, and we can join God in that versus us trying to figure out and do something on our own. And this, that's the beauty of this whole thing. That's the beauty of revelation. It's, 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 it's the thing that we have to have if we're going to be, uh, you know, Christian engineering students in the kingdom of God. But let me read this, Ephesians four seventeen and 18. It says, Therefore I say, therefore, this I say, are y'all okay? Because y'all just sitting there. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. In the futility of their mind. In other words, what Paul's saying here, listen, when you got born again, you can't just walk in your intellect. That's futile. That's not the way you were created. He's saying it right here. You are not created to live like the world. 
These Gentiles, what he was saying, these were the people who have not yet been born again. And he was saying, you're not supposed to live like that. And he is not just talking about doing moral things, immoral things, right? That's understood. He's talking about how you live your life, how you think, what you do. And he was saying, you're no longer to do it the way you used to do it. You're no longer to think the way you used to think. That's that's what he's saying there. Having, listen, their understanding darkened. Darkened. Your understanding darkened. In other words, the lights are off in your heart. That's what he's saying there. The lights are off in all the people in the world's heart. They're off. Because they haven't had that rebirth experience that gives them that light. Okay, so, but let me just keep going here. Okay. Being alienated from the life of God. See, we can be on the opposite side of us. Because of the ignorance that is in them, listen, because of the blindness. Everybody say blindness. The blindness of their heart. Their hearts are blinded. Their hearts can't see because they're in darkness. And the and what create God created everybody with all the equipment He created us all with, and a person who does not know Christ is not doesn't work. Their eyes don't work. Their spiritual eyes, their, their eyes of their inner man doesn't work. Their ears of their inner man, their taste buds of their inner man. None of that really works. And if it does work, and if you're not born again, it's being activated by the wrong source. Okay, so here's a, a pretty pretty interesting thought uh, I had years ago. It was, I don't know if some of you might remember in 2010 in Chile, there was an earthquake, not an earthquake, there was a collapse in a mine. Okay, and there were 30-something miners trapped in this mine. It was a gold mine, copper mine kind of deal. So there was 30-something miners that were trapped in this, this mine that collapsed, and they actually were trapped in there for 60-something, 68 days, I think. And the reason it took them so long is because to try to get them out, it, they had to kind of chip away because it could have collapsed more and killed them. And so they was able to get you know, air to them. They were able to get food and water to them, but they could not get them out. It took them 68 days, literally, to get these men out of this place. So these men lived underground for 68, I think it was 68 days. And so it was really crazy. I was watching it on TV when the first ones began to emerge from the mine. It was hilarious. They all come out with these really cool-looking Oakley sunglasses on. And I'm thinking, wow, look at this. Those are some cool-looking sunglasses. You ever been to the eye doctor and had your eyeballs dilated? It, you know, it kind of makes you feel high, right? People who know what that feels like. If you don't, if you don't that's what it feels like. It kind of feels that. Your eyes are, are dilated, and they give you them old plastic sunglasses to put on to keep from destroying your eyes because all this UV will come in there, okay, and, and can ruin your eyes. And that's why these men had these sunglasses on because they had been, their eyes were totally dilated living in the dark. Well, so this is what happens. When we're born again, we've lived our life in darkness. Whether we think we have or not, we have lived like those guys underground somewhere in darkness. So when we're born again, God takes these special lenses and places on our, on our eyes Okay, so when we emerge out of that darkness, we're not blinded by the light. It doesn't overcome us. Okay, but we can see some things. We begin to see some things unless you're especially gifted. There's an exception to all this. But I'm talking to just normal, common Christians. I'm not talking about prophets and people like that. I'm talking about just people like us. 
And this is the way God does. He puts these lenses on. And these lenses have multiple layers on them. And as we begin to walk with God, He wants to teach us how to begin to perceive the kingdom. And so little by little, He'll pull a layer off if we'll allow Him. Let me pull a layer off here. That's what happened to me that day when the Lord spoke to me on that dock. He's, he began to pull these layers off one by one, one. And He's still pulling them off where I can begin to perceive more and more and more. It's, it's, that's how this thing normally works. It's, that's how it no, it's going to work with everybody. The problem is a lot of people get born again. They're just, they have no interest in this really. Or they have fascination with it. They want to hear about it. They want to hear glamour stories or some exotic story. But they're not willing to do what it takes to allow God to work in their life and give them this enlightenment that they deserve, they should have. Okay? Are you all right? Am I talking to anybody in this ring? We need to make revelation a priority in our life. Not, but, not for revelation itself, but for what revelation does for us. That's why it should be a priority for every believer. Because it is, it is to help us, you know, see and hear and understand and touch and feel. And it's like a child, you know. You, you tell your children, do not touch that, it's hot. Okay? God's the same way. It's hot, don't touch it. And if we'd pay attention, we could begin to learn how to touch what we're supposed to touch. You know, look at what we're supposed to look at, hear what we're supposed to hear. Anyways, thank you, Lord. I don't know if you remember last week. I don't really know if you do or not. But I said this, revelation is not the kind of knowledge that we can attain by diligent research, education, study, willpower, or any human effort. That's not what it is. It is knowledge that comes to us from outside ourselves, and it's beyond our ability to discover by ourselves. Now, that is 100% true. However, let me just give you some more to one. Uh, there are things we can and should do about revelation. There are things we can and should do to discover revelation, to work with God, to cooperate with God. Okay? And I will tell you this. Receiving revelation is not a science. On any day. It's not, there's not a formula to this. Okay? Don't you wish there were? If I do ABC, I'm in. This is not ABC. It's more the art kind of thing where you, you kind of fill it out. You kind, of, you kind of work with it. And so there's a lot of things that the Lord's shown me over the years. But I'll give you this one right quick like because I'm running out of time. Ooh, mercy, Lord. Y'all okay? So one of the things is, is praying for revelation. I mean, that, that sounds really simple, but, man, I'm telling you something. It's, it's vital, and it's, and it's very biblical. It's praying specifically for revelation. Man, I would encourage you this. Make this prayer one of the main prayers of your life. Let it become part and partial in your life. Let it become so part and partial in life that you're always trying to figure out different ways of saying it because you get bored saying it the same way every day. <laughs> but this is the one, one of the apostolic prayers in the Bible. Uh, and I've taught on this thing so for years because this has been such a beautiful prayer for me. In Ephesians 1, I'll just read it to you and tell you just a couple quick things. Uh, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord... And your love for all the saints. Isn't that amazing? 
do not cease, cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Okay, this is Paul. Listen, then he, then he gives us the prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, what, the Father of glory. Remember last week, if you were here, I said one of the things about the revelation was it's for our glory. And here's Paul talking about the Father of glory. This is the person, this is the aspect of the Father that Paul is talking about getting released into our life. That he's appealing to this Father of glory. God, the Father, is mentioned many times in the Bible. Father of mercies, Father of all men, Father of life. I mean, just all these different things. But here is specific that he's saying. See, all this means something. All this is important. Okay, when he says the Father of glory. Instead of just saying the Father or just saying God. Or the Father of mercy. I mean, I'm thinking, yes, mercy, because I need it. Anyway, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's what he said. These were the Ephesian Christians. He said it. You're, you have faith in Christ. You have love flowing in your life. But you need this spirit of wisdom. And What he was saying, listen, I'm not asking God to give you wisdom and revelation about this problem you have or, this, or your, what you should do next. I'm asking God to release a river the spirit, the river of wisdom around that you are well, that you can tap into when you need it and, and begin to flow in your life. That's what he was saying. And then he said the, the really important thing here, in the knowledge of him, talking about Jesus Christ, talking about the Father of glory, in the knowledge of him. Now, that's the, that's the big word there, is all revelation is to know him. Okay, so that's really the, the ultimate point. I mentioned it to you. It always goes back to God and, and His kingdom. So that knowledge there is like what, you know, has been called the biblical knowledge, right? Y'all know Adam knew Eve. That's the kind of knowledge it is. It's not knowing about God. This revelation, this spirit of wisdom and revelation, and by the way, wisdom is, is, goes, always goes with revelation because wisdom is application. Wisdom is how do you take this revelation that God's given you and use it? How do you take this revelation and make it applicable in your everyday life? That's what wisdom does for you. So wisdom flows with revelation because God doesn't give revelation for us just to sit around like, you know, uh, and talk about amazing encounters. He gives it to us to use for something, to put the, put the practice in our life, to, to impact our life. And so the first thing is really is to know the Lord, is to have a relationship with the Lord. And so when you really pursue, that's why I'm saying we, we've got to make it a priority because it's, it's to help us know Him and help us to have a relationship with Him. Are y'all following this? And so that's why it must be a priority in our life because we want to have this relationship with Christ. We want to have this relationship with the Father. Okay? And the other meaning of that word is actually two meanings. I'm trying to rush, is acknowledge. And you know what acknowledge means? Acknowledge is to recognize a presence or something. In other words, to acknowledge Him. In other words, to be able to recognize His voice. To be able to recognize when He shows up. To be able to recognize when God has these little teeny little things, these little little nuances you're going about your life, and all of a sudden you sense something, you feel something, you, you think something, and you realize, I feel like that's what God, God's, that's, that was the Holy Spirit. He's, that's, that's, I'm, and I'm going to acknowledge. The Spirit of wisdom and revelation gives you the ability to acknowledge His presence, to acknowledge what He's doing, and, and tap into it. Isn't that amazing? 
And sometimes, let me tell you, sometimes the acknowledgement is this. It's raining outside. Ooh, I just feel this drawing to go sit on the front porch. You know what I'm saying? I just feel this thing. I need to go sit on the front porch. Well, I don't ever sit on the front porch. You know, because it ain't like one of those front porches you sit on. It's got a couple of chairs on, but they're for looks. And, you know, it's just crazy stuff that women do, right? They can put chairs over. Nobody wants to sit out there. We have a screen porch. That's where I, but I felt, felt the Lord saying, go sit on the front porch. And it's like I went out there and sat down, and it was like he was sitting in that rocking chair waiting for me. And started talking to me and started just loving on me. You know, and I just felt so loved at that moment and so blessed at that moment that God would take time out of his life to say, hey, let's go sit out on our front porch and enjoy the rain together. That's all. No, that's it. Nothing profound. Nothing, no, nothing, go, don't go, do this. Just go be with me. But see, I caught that. I acknowledged that. You see, and that's what the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and sometimes you're going to catch things that are very important. Like, go get your child right now. Or get up and go do this right now. Pray for this person right now. You see what I'm saying? This thing, it, it, it can change your life. Anyways, uh, then he goes on. I've got to hurry. i got six minutes, and I still haven't gave you the setup yet. He said that the God of the Father may give to you the spirit of wisdom and the knowledge that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. He didn't say, and we often pray this, but it's really not 100% accurate. Open, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. When you're born again, your eyes are already open. Your problem is they need more light. Your problem is they need more of those lenses poured off of those glasses you have on. In fact, some of you need to get those glasses off. You're, you're wearing lenses that are warping everything. That has to do with getting healed in your heart. Let me just, let me just, yeah, let me just say this right quick. This is what happened to me. I had these lenses on. I could walk into a room. And because these lenses were on, I saw things. But the lenses were blurring things. and The lenses were making me see things. And when God began to grab hold of my heart and began to heal my heart, He took those lenses off. I could walk in the same room. All of a sudden, I saw a whole different... Everything was different. Why was everything different? Because I didn't have these blurry lens on telling me, lying to my heart. Oh, that person doesn't like you. That person's after you. Stay away from that. All that was just removed. And I could begin to see what the Lord was seeing. Okay? It is, it, I'm telling you, that changed my life because I always felt threatened in my life. I was a pastor of this church, and I felt threatened by this church. I felt threatened by the people in this church. And they were some amazing people in this church at that time. It's not y'all. just in here. <laughs> Maybe a couple of you, but... But there was no threat. It was because my, what I was seeing, because I was seeing through hurt, rejection, and disappointment in my life. That was what was ruling what I was seeing. One of the ways you can pray this prayer that I picked up re- recently, Lord, let me see what you're seeing and understand. Let me hear what you're hearing and learn. It's, it's, it's a really amazing prayer. It really is. Anyways, I'm going to just... Chuck that off the, you know, I wish I could talk more about this. I could talk a long time. And then he gave us three things that we would know. In other words, these are three things every Christian, I don't care who you are, and I'm just going to give you the summary, that you might know the hope of his calling. That's one. That you might know the glorious inheritance that he has in the you, okay, the saints. 
And you might know the exceeding greatness of his power towards those who believe. So the hope of his God. So here I'll give you the quick version. This is one thing. This is, applies to everything. That you would know, this is my thumbnail of those three things, that you would know who you are, whose you are, and what he's called you to do. That's the summary of those things. Who you are, whose you are, and what he's called you to do with your life. That's what this spirit of wisdom and revelation will give us and release to us. We can know who we are. We can know our identity. We, you can't know it any way. You can know whose you are. You can begin to have this relationship with this father. That's a real father, and it's like a daddy to you. And he wants to te- treat you like a child, a son, a daughter, and raise you up. Man, there's nothing bigger if you've seen me, you've seen the Father's what Jesus says. It's just it's a big deal. This whole big, it's a big deal about the Father. I don't know that we'll ever get done with that because I've learned something. I'll just tell you this, right? Because I've got to stop. I've learned one of the greatest revelations about the kingdom has to do with the Father. It has to do with knowing this Father. It really does. And when we begin to know this Father, we find out it's His kingdom. And then we can begin to know this Father's heart and what it's like. For us, and for and it just and that's how I got the lenses off on me, the blurred lenses when I began when the Father began to work in my life. It's it's really powerful, y'all. I, I pray that if you haven't had that, I pray that you would get that. I really do because that's the life changer. That's the shift. That's like salvation. One is you got to have that, but once you get that, this revelation of the Father is vital, 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 and I, we know, right? Many people of us know. Anyway, I want to read this one last scripture to you. And maybe the worship team can come on up here. Okay? Yeah, right now. And I want to read this Mark 3, 13 through 15. Are y'all good? I'm going to stop preaching, but I'm going to ask you to stay just a couple minutes longer. Just a couple. He said he went up onto the mountain. This is Jesus. He was, this is when he appointed the 12 to be apostles. Oh, I love this. This is another one of those scriptures that, God spoke to me a long time ago that just so grabbed my heart because it explained something to me. He went up on a mountain. I've said this before. Read the Gospels, and every time Jesus goes up on the mountain, something significant happens. Every time. Every time. Every single time. Go through it. It's mountains speak of revelation. Okay? That's what they speak of. And you can even see that in the Old Testament. There's many times where these prophets would go up on this mountain or it's just, I just love that. So whenever I'm reading along, oh, went up on a mountain, something's going to happen. Jesus is going to do something that's significant because there's revelations flowing. He went up on a mountain and what did he do? He called to him those he himself wanted. Isn't that amazing? He called to them the ones he wanted. That's important because I'm going to tell you something. God has done that with you. He has gone up on the mountain and said, Auric, I want you. I want you. That's awesome. Come to me. Come to me. Everybody in this room, whether you're conscious of that or not, I'm telling you today, I'm telling you today, if you hear my voice, the Lord is saying, I want you. I want you. Come to me. Come to me. Listen, let me finish it. And they came to him. That's the craziest thing. They actually said, okay. <laughs> they didn't say, oh, no, we got, we got a field to plow. We got kids 
that diapers need to be changed. We got to go bury somebody. We got business. We got this. We'll, we'll do it later. They didn't say that. And some people did say that in the Bible. Some people have said that to the Lord. Some people are saying that today. Our hearts are saying, I want to come to you. I think you're awesome. I love you. I want to have this thing with you. But, you know, I'm just saying. Then he appointed 12. Listen to this. He appointed the 12 apostles, amazing people, except for one of them, but he still appointed them. He had an unamazing job to do, right, Judas? That was not the job he's appointing any of us to do. But he appointed them. Think about all these guys did. Just amazing, amazing, amazing. But that was not the first thing he appointed them for. He didn't appoint them to do anything amazing first. He appointed them, listen, that they might be what? With him. That's it. That they might be with him. That's what he was looking for. Hey, Tim, I'm appointing you to be with me. I just want you to come be with me. That's, that's what's important to him. You know, isn't that what in Acts it says when they got a hold of those guys, Peter, James, and John, for doing all this crazy stuff, healing people? Doing, you know. These guys, they realized these guys were ignorant. They're a bunch of ignorant people. They're fishermen. They don't know nothing. They had done miracles. But they said, but they realized they had been with Jesus. Okay? And that's what he says. And that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and cast out demons. Isn't that amazing? You see, everybody in this room, I hope you want to preach. However that preaching looks, I pray you want to heal people. And to get people free of demons. I, I pray that's what's in your heart. I think it is. Most people, look, we want to see that. We're asking the Lord to do that, right? Lord, we want to see that. We're not going to be satisfied to not see people saved, healed, and delivered. That's the gospel message. That's the truth of the gospel message. And that's really what the Lord wants. Because it says in Acts 10 that he went about doing good and delivering all those who were oppressed by the devil. That's what it said Jesus did. That was sort of their testimony of Jesus in Acts 10. I think it's 10.38. Anyways, but the thing about the, the power of God in Ephesians is it's like being with Him. That's where He wants to draw us. And it really is. So, the, the resurrection power of God can begin to flow in our lives. And that we can begin to make a difference in this world. And begin to impact this world. Because we're releasing the power of God. We're releasing the kingdom of God. We're releasing the resurrection of God. And so, you know, the Lord gave me this song uh, yesterday. Uh, it's a very old song. We're going to sing this really old song. But he gave me this old song called, I Surrender. Okay, and I'm going to tell you something. Maybe that ain't popular in the church world today, but there's a surrender that needs to happen with people. That's what those guys did. They surrendered. They surrendered their agenda. They surrendered their future. They surrendered their presence, their present. They surrendered it and said, I surrender all. I come, Lord. I'm going to surrender to you. And things, then we'll work, things will work out from there. But that's, to me, that's the key. It was one of the great keys of Revelation is surrender. Is surrender your heart. 
in a new way, in a real way to the Lord and come to Him with that heart of surrender. I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering my opinion, Lord, about this. I'm surrendering to you. I don't, you don't have to surrender to anybody else or what anybody else is doing, but you can do it to Jesus. And when you do that, I believe something happens in your life. I believe there's a transfer that happens in your life. There's a, 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 it can become, for some people, a mighty turning point. So, you know, the Lord gave me that song, and somebody sent me an email saying, Byron, your friend says he would love to hear this song sang in your church. I'm serious. This is after I was reading the song, thinking about it. I was reading the words out, and then later I got this email. Your friend would love, your friend is Jesus. He would love to hear this song sang in your church. The friend wants us to respond to the song. Okay? So, I want us to sing the song. We'll sing it through one time. They're not going to do the whole thing because it's a long song, but I think the main part. And then I'm going to ask those of you who feel, now don't do this unless you feel true that God's speaking to your heart this morning. Because I want you to come up here and have a prayer with the Lord. I'm not going to pray for you, but I want you to have a prayer with the Lord and say, Lord, I'm surrendering again my life fresh to you. I give myself fresh to you today. I come to you because I hear you saying, come to me. In a new way, in a fresh way, whatever that means, Lord. Lord, whatever it means, we'll work out the details as we go. Amen? So let's let's go ahead and sing that, honey. Thank y'all for doing this. say this. In Acts chapter 5, I think, I think it was, Ananias and Sapphira, y'all remember them, those are people that the Holy Spirit killed. <laughs> That's crazy. They surrendered something, but they didn't really surrender. Now, I'm not saying God does that. He did that one time. That's the only time I know He did it. I prefer to say this. Don't hold back even though you may get up tomorrow morning and just absolutely fail at this you may fail at your surrender you may take it all back but you know what right now none of that matters right now all that matters is you saying to the Lord I surrender and in your surrender I'm trusting you Lord to help me do this to help me live this and when I do fail at it I know you'll pick me up you will get me going again. So don't let 
anything holds you back. If you've surrendered a million times and failed a million times, one million and one may be the time that it really takes in your life. We all come to places in our life when we need to surrender to the Lord. We need to surrender our dreams, our ministries, our business, our fi- all those things. We can surrender to Him and God can take your five loaves and two fish and bless them and break them open and make things multiply in your life. He can cause your dreams to explode where you can never get it to explode. You can fish all night and say, I've caught nothing. Throw it on the other side. That was surrender. They threw it on the side and about sunk the boat because God got in to what they were doing. You see, God don't want us just to surrender for the sake of us. He wants to surrender because God is very interested in blessing your life and multiplying your life. And many people in this room, me being one of them, we're just five loaves and two fish people. That's all we got. That's all we have, five loaves. We don't have much, Lord. But he's saying, surrender it to me. Give it all to me, and I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll feed a multitude. I'll feed them all to you and there'll be a pile left over that you can take home to your mom and daddy and feed your family and feed your friends that weren't there. He can tap you into a never-ending source. That's our God. So, I encourage you to surrender.